0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Ladies and gentlemen,
0: congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. 5, 4, 3,
1: 2, 1. Welcome to the Adam and Aaron's yes. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Adam Aaron. and Aaron. Ellen. And Aaron.
0: All right, it is uh, Friday, February 11th, 2022. Welcome to the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk podcast. We're happy to have you on here tonight. And this evening, we've got a lot of good stuff to get to as we are on the eve of Super Bowl 56 between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles, St. Louis, Los Angeles Rams in Los Angeles this year. So um, obviously, we'll be talking about the Super Bowl I believe we're going to have some big baseball news in the next 24 to 48 hours. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. We've got some kind of offbeat sports stuff we'll talk about here as well tonight. Um, but before we do that, of course, we can't be the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk podcast without Alan being a part of our uh, show here tonight as well. Alan, good evening. How are you? I'm
2: doing great. How about you? How are you doing so far tonight?
0: Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Uh so we're uh, we're on the eve of the big game. Uh, one more one more night after tonight, uh, and then the game is on uh, is on Sa- uh, Sunday, Super Sunday, of course, as they call it. And not hearing a whole lot of stuff this week as far as the Super Bowl is concerned. It's been more about uh, uh, obviously coaching changes. It's been obviously the awards we saw uh, Thursday night. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, also some. Uh, individuals who are going to be inducted uh, this summer into the Hall of Fame. Uh, first thing first, going to give a, a big congratulations to now four-time MVP Aaron Rodgers. I called it. Uh, I thought he was going to get it again. Uh, what were your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers getting uh, another MVP award? You know, it is an impressive individual stat for
2: him to get it. I thought this year it was kind of like. Towards the end of the voting, it was 50-50 because he had a controversy he had early in the year with the vaccination. Then the voter said he wasn't going to vote for him. So I thought it was it was 50-50. I was thinking that Brady had a good shot of getting this too. I'm not shocked that he got it, but I was a little surprised that the voting went the way it did. He got a lot of first-place ballots and votes. It's it's a great thing for Aaron Rodgers to get four four rings. I'm not going to knock his accomplishment, but I'm I'm of the of the thought process. I'd rather have a Super Bowl ring than an MVP any day of the week. So yeah, for yeah, him, in an individual process. It's a great it's a great accomplishment, but I'd rather have a Super Bowl ring.
0: Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. And I think the thing that for me sold him being the MVP um, a little bit of bias, obviously just because I root for Green Bay, but. Take that out of the equation, if you go back and watch um, in the probably the ninth game of the year, Rogers was out with the COVID stuff, uh, Jordan Love came in and played in his place in Kansas City It was in Kansas City, by the way. Uh, they blitzed, I want to say, like 17, 18 times in that game, and they really threw you know the young quarterback off his game. And I don't think they would have done that to, to Rogers, not, not as successfully as, uh, as they did to, to love but it just shows that had they stuck with love the rest of the year and who knows, maybe things have change a little bit, but taking Rodgers away from, you know, the team certainly proved how valuable he was. So I think that, that merit alone right there was, was kind of the deciding factor. Um, not that uh, Jonathan Taylor didn't have a great year with Indianapolis. I mean, you talk about one of the all time great uh, seasons in rushing and even in Indianapolis history, I mean, look at some of the great backs they've had, um, Hall of Famer Edron James, uh, uh, Joseph Adai, uh, you go even back to, you know, before he got traded to the to the St. Louis Rams, Marshall Falk was there. So, um, and even Eric Dickerson, I believe, was there for a little bit at one point in his career. So you've got some great backs that have come through the, the Colts organization. And Taylor had a big year and, and certainly kind of put all those other guys to, to, uh, to bed there as far as uh, statistics are concerned. So, um, and you mentioned Brady, too. I mean, he certainly had uh, for, for 44. I mean, come on, what a great year, you know, that he was able to have. So um want to get some more perspective on this here tonight. We're going to bring in our good buddy from New Jersey, and that would be Lou. He is on here with us tonight. Lou, good evening. How are you? Good evening. Thanks. I feel tonight, Lou. salutations. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, thank you. All right. Well, we got two days to go before the Super Bowl, and the Rams are already in trouble.
2: Yeah, I I did see that. You know, the Rams are actually. I was going to talk about that during that sec, our Super Bowl segment, but um, it the Rams are actually this week has not been going so smoothly for the Rams. It's a lot of no. negative controversy that's surrounding the Rams. But uh, yeah, so we'll we'll talk about that. In a few moments, but I did want to get your thoughts on the Aaron Rodgers getting MVP.
1: I'm not really surprised by that. I mean, he had a, he had a good year. I mean, yeah, he they stumbled in the playoffs in the division round, but all in all, he had another uh, spectacular year and you know well deserved. So yeah, I think getting him the, the uh, MVP was was a uh, the right choice. There you go. Aaron. Two That's people think ball. he
2: deserved. So what do you thought, Aaron? He, It's well-deserved?
0: I think it is. I mean, honestly, if you look at his stats the last two years, um, especially, I mean, it, we're talking about all-time individual seasons for a quarterback that have been just tremendous. Um, you know, the the high touchdown to interception ratio, or I guess low in this case, um, for as far as his statistics are concerned. And that doesn't necessarily mean that, you're leading a team because you've seen other guys who have had great years uh, other places that were not in the playoffs. Um, I think the biggest thing is he helped two years in a row um, a team win 12 and then 13 games. Now I agree with you 100%, Alan. I would much rather trade an MVP award or several MVP awards for that matter for uh, for a Super Bowl. Uh, I think that that's the big thing, and, and that's why you play the game. You play the game to win. Um, yeah. You know you play to win the game as uh as someone once said, so you know uh, I, and i i think yeah, be, that thing yeah. yeah, i think if he was on with us right now, he would say look, i'll trade for all four of my uh my mm-hmm. my m v for another another ring and and hopefully he's back in Green bay next year obviously we'll know probably pretty quickly what the what the um you know what the story will be with that um but I, I definitely think, you are know, talking about all-time great seasons. In fact, uh, I'm just pulling up his stats right now. Uh, the last two years uh, are absolutely just incredible. Uh, this year, 2021, 37 touchdown passes, only four interceptions. That's basically a 9-to-1 ratio, uh, a little over 4,100 yards. Uh, completion percentage, just a hair below 69%. That's pretty good. That's over two-thirds completed. Um, again, a 13-win season for the team. And you know, obviously, this guy's a Hall of Famer if he retires after this past year. I mean, there's yes, no, yeah, exactly. no doubt about that.
2: No, you you got some great points there, and Lou is right too. There's there's no doubt about it that he had a statistically a great year, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. It just he's got to get if he still plays. He he definitely needs to get another ring or two because. One ring for the amount of volume that he's putting up with all these MVPs and having such a great team kind of diminishes his his uh, legacy, I believe.
0: Well, I would say different on that. I mean, yes, uh, they've had some really good teams that have been deeper into the playoffs than they were. I'd, I'd say the 2011 team is probably the one that stands out the most to me because they were 15-1 and one, um, and they were the defending champs that year. Um, but you think about him compared to some other quarterbacks that never won a Super Bowl, for instance, Dan Marino. You know, he played in one, I think, in his second year, and he never played in one again after that. So, yeah. uh, I mean, at least in this case, Rodgers has won a Super Bowl. And let's think about it this way, too. In Green Bay Packer history, um, you know, we're we're talking about, you know, Four Super Bowl wins as a franchise, and, you know, the only other quarterbacks that have played for this franchise that have won multiple Super Bowls is Bart Starr. Brent Favre only won one time. So uh, a lot of great teams that he played for as well, and they only were able to win the one time in, in 1996.
2: So, yeah. yeah. So, Lou, you had some thoughts on the Rams and the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts on the way the week is, at least these two weeks have gone for them?
1: Well, I think it's going to take a lot out of them. You're losing two of your best, two of some of your best players, and that's why you're heading into the Super Bowl. I mean, because this is, you know, the one week you, you play for and you want all your players healthy, and this uh, it's kind of serves as a bad mark right now. So the Rams are going to have to rely on all their players on the roster if they're going to win this.
2: Yes, and for the listening audience who doesn't know, tell them, tell them about the people who are not going to be playing
1: oh wait yeah i i ha- i had up here what was your it was it was two it was two players uh that were injured, and they and they just uh, really announced uh today actually yeah but um actually there was one player i only played i uh, only only practiced uh since uh yesterday and that's that one. I'm, hang on a second, my uh, page is a little bit delayed.
2: I think the I think the Rams are in trouble for a couple of reasons this week. <laughs> the first reason is that Drake put yeah. up a big bet on the Rams, and usually where he goes, the teams usually lose. Um, so <laughs> it's
1: the Rams. That's tight Titans. Uh, Higgins is out. Yeah, Rams. He's is the biggest concern, and they're. Lyman, uh, Joe. I'm gonna say this anyway. Note boom.
2: The back of, yeah. Those the are two, two big players there,
1: and especially the tight end. For Higley was more and, of a big, a big concern considering his stats. That's the more big concern. Yeah.
2: But yeah, I just think. Um, and also, the one of the big news that came out of the, I don't know if you noticed, Aaron, that came out of the Rams during this week is Eric, uh, which I'm, I want to get both of you guys' opinion on this. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Eric Dickinson, Hall of Famer, tied as the <laughs> Rams. He was upset, and he said he may not attend the game because they did give him tickets, but the tickets they gave him for the Super Bowl were all the way up in the rafters. So my question to each of you uh. are if you were an all-time bet, you were Eric Dirkusen, new stadium team, you're supporting the team, would you or would you not be upset if they gave you tickets and you were in the rafters? Start with you, Lou.
1: No, no, I wouldn't be upset. I mean, you know, hey, it's a Super Bowl. I'll take, any, I'll take anything I can get, really. You know, I mean, the average person, even though you're a probably doesn't get a chance to go to a lot of Super Bowls. So uh, that's the best thing you can get. Well, you know what? Don't give force in the mouth. I'll take it. Yeah, and, and and he didn't
2: say if they gave him two tickets, but I'm pretty sure that they gave him more than one ticket. It was going to be the Raptors and the 480s. So. But I would think that they gave him at least two tickets. So we'll just assume, for argument's sake, that he got two tickets. At least he was sitting next to somebody he knew. What are your thoughts, Aaron? If you were a Hall of Famer, a big-time great, you were given tickets, but they were in the rafters for the Super Bowl, how would you react?
0: I think I'd be grateful just to be able to go uh, to the Super Bowl, even if I was an all-time great. I mean, they, they've given you a free ticket. Um, the thing I like about uh, the, this situation, you keep in mind, this Rams team, when he played for them you know, 30, 35 years ago, this was the john robinson rams back in those days um, john robinson who was uh, also a, a fairly successful college coach if i remember correctly um, i think at usc if i'm not mistaken and so you think about this and again this is not disrespecting eric dickerson in any way but the majority of the people who are rams fans now are probably people who don't have any idea really who eric dickerson is <laughs> you know i mean they might know A-130 who he is
1: 35 no
0: yeah and, and they, right. they might know who he is from his days as a sideline reporter um, or, you know, maybe other areas in, in, in the profession that he's been involved in. But, you know, my thought is this. He probably had a lot of Rams fans when the Rams left in 95 and went to St. Louis. They probably yeah. became fans of another team, whether it was the, uh, the Raiders or maybe they started rooting for San Diego, now, of course, in L.A., Um, So a lot of those people probably didn't pick back up the team, you know, 25 years later and say, I'm going to be a fan of the Rams again. They probably stuck with who they had. So a lot of the loyalty there um, is probably diminished. Not that that necessarily means anything, but I would say this, you know, I'm not going to complain if somebody gives me a ticket to go to the Super Bowl. I'm not going to say, well, geez, you gave me the one up in the top. I mean, I'm going to say, hey, thank you. You got me in. So <laughs> I, I get what he's saying, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you got a ticket. And was, there's going to be a lot of people, probably a lot of former Rams that aren't going to be able to be there because there's just not enough tickets to go around. So. Yeah, and, and I'll give you my thoughts on it. It
2: does seem a little bit of ungratefulness a little bit from Eric's side. I, I understand where he's coming from. I can understand where he feels slighted. Like, okay, you know, I put a lot in. But I think this is kind of like the old vet, you know, type of MO where I feel as if you owe me a lot because I get my blood, sweat, and tears for you. You didn't play the whole time, your whole career with the Rams, number one. And number two, it is a Super Bowl ticket, meaning if they gave you one, which I assume they gave him two, that's at least a face value of at least twenty grand, or at least ten if they gave you just one. So a yeah. Super Bowl ticket is still, even if you're in the Rafters, It's still a hot commodity, where the owner or whoever's providing you the ticket could have gotten at least ten thousand per ticket for that ticket, minimum, even if it's in the rafters. So I would have looked at it like this: if I don't, he did say he gave away the tickets to his sister. I saw the interview for you to come on TV and kind of make a stink about it. I don't agree with it. If you weren't happy with it, you may have kept that thing more personal and not brought that up in an interview. You know, you have to be like, all right, well, they kind of did me wrong, but I'm not going to publicize it. You understand know what I'm saying? I'm going to keep that in-house. But I, I just felt as if it did come across as being a bit ungrateful. It's a Super Bowl. I know it's a new stadium. I know they have a lot of seats there. It's still going to sell out, and the face value of that
0: ticket a minimum of $10,000, and you got it for free
2: you know, yeah, and ne- and next
0: time he doesn't want one he can certainly send it to us here. We'll, we'll gladly take it.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so I've actually never been to a Super Bowl myself. I that's one of my bucket list yeah. items. I, I would love to be the to Super Bowl, but every time I kinda like have the foresight of going, I'm like, man, I don't want to spend this four, five, six grand for a ticket. It always like I get to that point where Eh, I, watching on TV is not so bad with my friends and I usually have a Super Bowl party at the house so I'm like well that's a lot of that's a lot of money you're giving up for a good time I know I'm going to have my friends and family at the house with the party the food and everything but I would love to go one year you know just to say I went to Super Bowl
0: closest I've but ever for been free I
2: would definitely go. you gave me the ticket for free it'd yeah, be a no brainer yeah. I would go you know what I mean Co- yeah,
0: exactly. You no, know, I was gonna say closest I've ever been is um, uh, time before this past uh, Super Bowl it would have been two thousand eight, two thousand nine. They had the NFL Experience. Um, that was the year that uh, Pittsburgh played. I think it was the Ra- uh, the Rams, but they played the the Cardinals, and I got to go to the NFL Experience. That was a lot of fun. So that's probably the closest that I'll ever get uh, to uh, to being at one. Yeah, I've been to the NFL Experience yeah. and. A good time first to went would have
2: been last year when it was here right in Tampa Bay. You would have eliminated hotel costs, but even then, living here in Tampa Bay, but, I checked it. A ticket was roughly around five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Which is not bad yeah. considering I've seen a lot more, but it's still five thousand dollars per ticket. And if you were in the health field and you got vaccinated if you were in the health field, you could have got a ticket for free. My neighbor actually did get a ticket for free, but she was vaccinated and she worked in the health field, you know, so she she got the hookup.
0: Yeah, I actually knew somebody that was able to, for the same same reason, get to go, and that was pretty neat. Um, Obviously, it was one of the strangest Super Bowls in in history just because, you know, first time ever having a home team in the Super Bowl, but also at the same time it wasn't a completely packed uh, stadium, so – um, this time around yeah. it's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah,
2: Lin, so great stuff. So what do you got planned for your show?
1: Well, you know we got the Super Bowl of course, Super Bowl coverage. I mean, forget about their pregame, come to ours. <laughs> As I like to say. Uh we'll also <laughs> cover the um the uh Hall of the uh, Hall of Fame uh, victors, if you want to call it that. Uh we'll also look at the NFL honors those who at the uh or it called these post season awards. Uh we'll also quickly look at the NHL and NFL All Star games, AKA the Pro Bowl. Uh we'll take a look at if there's any progress in the uh major league baseball uh labor negotiations. There is expected to be a proposal tomorrow. This could be make or break for the season. But I don't want to jinx that, so uh I'll just leave it at that. And of course nice. there's a few of our regular features as well. Same time as usual, 5 to 7 p.m. East Coast time. Number to call is 512-543-4662. RP that again, 512-543-4662. Remember, it's our pregame show, not theirs. There
2: you go, (laughs) Lou. Enhanced Sports
1: Show, 5 to 7 Eastern Standard Time
2: Zone, 512-543-4662. 512-543-4662. Make sure you guys listen in and support Lou. He's a great, great friend of ours here on the Allen & Aaron Sportsbook Radio Show. He's going to give you guys a great show. Oh, I <laughs> You're very welcome. We appreciate yeah. you, Lou. Thanks so much for All you right, guys. Today.
1: Hopefully, you'll, hopefully you'll call in. I wasn't going to be able to call tonight because I thought I was going to have another commitment, but that could push back to tomorrow after my show. So I'm lucky I was here tonight.
2: Yeah, I am glad that you're here tonight, too. It's always a pleasure to have you. We truly, yeah. tremendously appreciate you.
1: Yeah, yeah. hopefully you'll show up tomorrow. I could use it. All right, guys. Uh, All right. Thanks a lot. All right. You're very welcome, good night.
0: Have a good night, Lou. Have a great night. Thanks for calling, Lou.
1: Okay.
0: Take All care. All right. He, he did make a, a good mention there, and I kind of had brought this up a moment ago. Uh, obviously, the Hall of Fame... Uh, is opening its doors again for the NFL and wanna congratulate uh, a few people. Um Leroy Butler, Florida State, uh of course Green Bay Packers, uh longtime NFL, believe he was a free safety. Um great, great player. Uh he gets in I wanna I want to say it was his sixteenth year on the ballot. Uh NFL has a longer ballot than like major league baseball and um in terms of how long you can be on there for. A guy that I thought was very deserving of it is um, one of the great NFL head coaches of all time, Dick Vermeil, one of my favorites. Uh, he, of course, uh, coached uh, in the early 80s with the Philadelphia Eagles. He took 15 years off as a coach and came back in uh, the mid to late 90s with the St. Louis Rams. Uh, he was, of course, the uh, architect of the 99 greatest show on turf Rams. That was Kurt Warner's rookie year, uh, MVP award for Kurt Warner, one of the best, seasons of all time um the Rams team was in 1999 and then he retired after they won and about a year and a half later he decided he wasn't retired and came back again and spent the next uh four or five years with the Kansas City Chiefs as uh, their head coach and just a great guy too so congratulations to him um there's a couple people I'm forgetting for some reason uh that got in this time around too and I'm just looking that up right now as we speak um but always good to hear of um, guys getting into the Hall of Fame. Oh, Tony Baselli, of course, the original Jacksonville Jaguar. He is also going into the uh, to the NFL Hall of Fame here this um, this coming July. And the rest of the class that I have here, uh, Richard Seymour, of course, uh, spent a good portion of his career in. I believe it was. Uh, I believe it was uh, New England. New England, yeah. <laughs> Uh, new England, yep. um, so another another great uh, great new member who will be going in uh, this summer. Uh, looking through the rest of the list here, some guys Sam that are Mills. unfortunately no longer with us. Sam Mills, uh, linebacker, spent a lot of his career with uh, the, uh, the uh, Carolina Panthers, uh, linebacker, and I believe he passed away. I want to say about 12 years ago, maybe maybe been longer back than that. But um, some some great guys that are going to be going in. Um also let's see let's take a look through the list here. Bryant Young, uh who was a defensive tackle. And I believe he also played for San Francisco at one point in his career. So um on the more veteran side, the guys from the older uh old school times, you have uh longtime wide receiver Cliff Branch. Uh he played for both the Oakland and Los Angeles Raiders. Um, I mentioned Leroy Butler before, um, former NFL director of officiating, uh, Art McNally. Uh, as I mentioned, Sam Mills, who was actually also with the uh, New Orleans Saints before he was with the Panthers. And then uh, Richard Seymour, I mentioned him a moment ago. Dick Meal, Bryant Young. And I believe that's the, the entire class. A little bit of a smaller class this time around. Normally you have... Uh, Seven, eight, nine guys. Um, this time around, it ended up being uh, just those five or so that I mentioned. So, uh, but give me your thoughts on any of those guys I just mentioned. There definitely a, a very, very a powerful class of, of Hall of Famers.
2: It is. It definitely Richard Seymour. It definitely it's a it's a great group of guys. Recipe Sam Mills, and you know it's uh, definitely you know it's good that they have it a bit longer in the NFL to give you a chance to get in. You know, whereas the the one name that I'm a little surprised didn't make it in, which is a year that probably had a good shot, is Rondae Barber. And I know uh, Derrick Brooks put a tweet out. He responded to actually somebody else's tweet. And he basically was stating how upset he was. There was nobody more upset that Rondae Barber didn't get in than Derrick Brooks. That's what he said. So... You know there is still a big push for Ronda to get in. Really surprised Ronda hasn't gotten in already. But yeah, I I think he mentioned away a little
0: bit of time. So I I think that you'll see. um, I think you'll see in due time. I think in the next year or two, Ronda Barber gets in for sure. I mean, you talk about a defense in the late '90s into the early and even mid 2000s that was just absolutely stacked. And being from the Tampa area and someone who watched the Bucks, especially during their prime years of uh 90 97 was really their first first year of uh real success under tony dungy and some of the players that he had developed and and drafted some of them were drafted of course by the uh, previous coach which was sam weish uh but Rondé barber you talk about a a cornerback that played the game a lot differently than guys today that are out there they make a player they 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 see you know the thing about that I see different in, in Barber in his game that he played when he was playing not that long ago versus guys today. And I'm not saying the guys today aren't good players, but Rondae Barber played the game with a lot of class and you don't see that as much anymore. So he's definitely a guy that I have a lot of respect for. And um, I'll certainly always remember probably the biggest play of his career in the uh, 2002 NFC championship game. Eagles are driving down the field and they, they, I think there was maybe two or three minutes left. If they get into the end zone, it's a game. They have a chance to get the ball back and maybe force the issue at the end. And uh, Donovan McNabb threw a ill-advised pass, and uh, Barber picked it off and returned it 90 yards or 85 yards for a touchdown. It put Tampa in the Super Bowl for the first time. So that's the biggest memory I have of, of Barber, and certainly he um, great player, just a great guy to watch uh, play, and the Spent a lot of time in Tampa. He probably played a year longer than he should have, but he was certainly a, a good one to watch, and I, I think you'll definitely see him in the hall here before too long.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, think, well, I definitely hope he makes it, Being local, and I've actually met Rondé Barber. and I have his autograph. Really, what you see on TV is what you get in person. Not a lot of guys are like that. I'll tell you that right now. Taking it from somebody who's met a lot of athletes, I've have, have been very, very blessed to have met a lot of pro athletes, you do get sometimes a difference. The person you see on TV is not usually the person you see in person. Sometimes it's the flip person that you hear about negatively in, in the media, really gets bashed. When you meet them, are actually a lot better and nicer than you you would think. So, and it's once in a while, you'll meet somebody who is what you see is what you get on TV and what you get in person. Rondé Barber is, is that. That way, what you see on TV is what you get in person. And, you know, really classy guys, you mentioned, to your point, Aaron, very down to earth. You know, I had a – got blessed to get some VIP passes to kind of get, like, right by the players when they got off the field from practice. And, you know, he went right down the line and signed. He was very cordial and talked to. He didn't just put his head down and sign. Like, you know, begrudgingly, he, he interacted and really nice guy. So, in fact, I should put that picture up on our on our page. You know, show him some support. But I hope he does get in the. You know, definitely hope he he gets in the Hall of Fame. I know Derek Brooks wants him there. One of his teammates. You know, so that's a good thing that somebody else who's on your team wants you to be in. Who's already a Hall of Famer, vouching for you. That says a lot. So I I would imagine you to your point, Aaron. Then the next year or two. Because I know that that tweet caught attention. That's one yeah, of the great yeah. things about being a celebrity or athlete. When you tweet
0: something, thousands of hundreds, millions of people it, see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, the other
0: thing too, I was kind of bringing this up a minute ago. You know, you look at uh, that that core of players on that, the core of the defense of that Tampa team from the mid '90s till about probably 2003, 2004 was, um, you know, certainly guys like. Derek Brooks, who's one of my all-time favorite players. Uh, You had Warren Sapp. Obviously, we just talked about Ronde Barber, but look, John Lynch had to wait a couple extra years himself to get in finally. And, you know, we talk about those names, and I'll bring up some names here that maybe some people have, uh, to some degree, forgotten about in Tampa, like Shelton Corals. You know, what a great player he was. Uh, Never really got as much credit as he deserved. Um, Tampa had a lot of uh, really solid defensive players. and Let's not forget, uh, part of the reason they won that Super Bowl in 2002 was um, their defense was stacked, and you know, Simeon Rice was a big part of that. So there's a lot of other guys that, that deserve a little bit more credit than what they ended up getting in the long run. But, um, again, um, to put Barber in there, it would be perfect because then you've got four players from their first Super Bowl win you know, almost 20 years ago now in the Hall of Fame, and every single one of them deserves to be there, so –
2: no, you're absolutely right, and they'll, they'll eventually get in. That's the great thing about the NFL. You know, you'll have a chance to get in, and I hope he does make it. And, you know, with the Super Bowl, of, I, I think it's going to be a great game. I'm excited about it. What are your thoughts on the Super Bowl and who you think is going to get that Lombardi Trophy?
0: Well, I'm going to say this, and I've I've kind of uh, held steadfast to this. Having watched the the Bengals this postseason, all three of the games they've won have been games they shouldn't have won. They've found a way to to stay in the game, whether it was that, you know, big drive, defensive stop, rather, at the end of the first half and the big drive that the Chiefs could have had, a huge lead going into halftime in the AFC title game, you know, you never know when when a play may be the key play in the game. It could happen in the last five minutes, but it could happen in the first ten minutes. So um, I'm going to go with – and I'm going to give you a prediction on the score, too. I'm going to go with the upset pick in the Super Bowl. I've been kind of, you know, alluding to this the last week or so. I'm going to go with the upset pick in the Super Bowl. I'm going to say the Bengals are going to win this game 24-16. to 16. They're going to get a, a big break in the second half, late in the – probably about midway through the fourth quarter. They're going to have a big turnover that goes their direction and puts them in, in the lead for good. So I'm going to say 24-16 with the Bengals winning, and I'll go with uh, Joe Burrow as my MVP pick.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great prediction there. I This week actually went pretty poorly for the Rams. As far as PR, just these you know, injuries, distractions, it's not boding well for the Rams. And I just feel as if it's the Bengals' year. I love what Joe Burrow did. He was one of the people who got honored and accepted an award for comeback player of the year. He did get comeback player. He did make a little speech. You know, thanks to everybody who helped him get it to the comeback player because of the injury, the major injury he had. But I like the fact that he was focused on playing the game on Sunday. A lot of young guys, when they get some of these distractions, which sometimes I, I sometimes don't like this award right leading into the Super Bowl. You understand? Know like, I know Cooper Cup got an award too, but it's it's a bit of a like kind of anticlimactic. You know, you get your head could get big and you could kind of lose sight of the game very easily with mm-hmm. you getting an award within a few days if you play in the Super Bowl. But I love what Joe Burr did. He stayed focused on what's at task, kind of like Tom Brady-like. He was was not dissing the award. He was appreciative of it. But he said he's basically, in a nutshell, has bigger fish to fry come Sunday. He's focused on the game. And I think that's hard for young guys to do, to stay focused on the game. I love what the Bengals are doing as a team. I just feel like it's the Bengals' time. I feel like it's the Bengals' time, and I think Eric Dickinson is not going to feel so bad that he's not going to the game because he'll be able to soak at home rather than be soaking in front of the, in the Raptors.
1: <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> I, you know, much love to Eric Dickinson, but I, I just, I, I think it's the, I think it's the Bengals' year. I think, I think they're going to do it. I think Joe Burrow is something special, and. Uh, I, I just feel like this week was indicative of what I've been feeling already that the Bengals are going to win leading into this. I just don't see I, – I just it has a bad aura to it for the Rams to me. And I, I think that score is about right. I would say it's going to be a close game, maybe 24 to 21. Very close game like that, but I just think that they're going to edge it out just like they did two weeks ago. And uh, – yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the Bengals are going to win and shock the world. And I know my son thinks the Bengals are going to win, too. He said, He said. my son said, at school, everybody thinks the Rams are going to win because they are the favorites to win this game. So if you do pick the Bengals, you are picking the underdog. But I just, I, I know he was in a minority. I know the, me and you were in the minority, but I just feel as
0: if the Bengals are going to win this game. Yeah, I think it's a great pick. Um, I I think, uh, you know, uh, the one thing I think is interesting about this, and I'm not 100% certain on this aspect of things, but this is the first thing I thought about after Cincinnati won uh, two weeks ago over Kansas City. This is the first time, I believe, in NFL history that two former number one overall picks, Matthew Stafford, of course, in 2008 to the, uh, rather 2009, I should say, to the, Lions and now Joe Burrow in 2020 to the uh, to the Bengals are facing each other in the Super Bowl. Uh, you've had first-round picks, first-round quarterback picks that have played each other head-to-head. Um, Peyton Manning did it uh, in 2006 against uh, Rex Grossman. Manning was the number one overall pick, but Grossman was a later pick in the round. So this is the first time something like this has ever happened. And I bet most people probably wouldn't have bet that these were the two guys that would do it. So, <laughs>
1: um
2: yeah, I agree. I agree. But um, both guys are deserving to be in this position, you know, and both guys have earned the right to be here. So I don't think anybody's gotten a free ride tremendous towards the stretch to, to put themselves in a position to win. So I just think um, they both deserve to be here. So I, I think, uh, you know, I, I definitely think Joe Burrow has done that, and I I definitely do think the way it's going this year. It, you know, I just see I see Joe Burrow as his year.
0: Yeah, and this could be a really good team for a long time. Let's keep it in perspective too. How young Cincinnati is for the most part. I mean, Zach Taylor, their head coach, is only thirty eight. So um, you're talking about a team that has a lot of potential to build this almost reminds me in a sense of the early nineties Dallas Cowboys teams. Honestly, you had young guys like Emmett Smith, you had Michael Irvin. Um, you know, obviously Troy Aikman was, uh, was pretty fresh at that point. Alvin Harper was kind of the, uh, the veteran player at that particular point. And then of course they started building from there with Daryl Johnson. And uh, obviously i talked talked about Nate Newton here a few weeks back, uh, how he was, Recognized by John Madden, you had all these other guys started coming in after the fact, and that, that's really the big thing: is when you win a Super Bowl, you instantly become a franchise that everybody looks at and says, "Hey, if I'm a free agent, I wouldn't mind going to Cincinnati. I wouldn't mind going to play play for this team because I know I have a chance to win." So I think their window of of being able to be a successful team it could be open for a couple of years. I mean, that's how the NFL works. A lot of times you see teams that you know that suddenly win. Look, look at Kansas City did a couple of years back. They they really uh, built around Patrick Mahomes and, um, you know, really the offense he guides out there on the field. And, you know, obviously they've been as good as they have been for the last four or five years now. So that very same thing may be happening in, in, uh, in Cincinnati as well.
2: No, you're right. I think they have a young team. I think uh, with them winning, the Super Bowl is going to put them in a different category. The way they view the league – and uh, you know they got they got a solid defense and a great uh, a great offense and Jamar Chase you know he's he's a stud player there too and they have a lot of weapons and I did want to say that I, I did feel as if Matthew Stafford outplayed you know no disrespect Tom Brady but I do feel as if he outplayed Tom Brady in the game and he deserved to be here too but I just think I think it's the Cincinnati Bengals.
0: Joe Burrow is going to smoke another cigar at the end of the night.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, and then you uh, think about it this way: he it was only two years ago he won a national championship at at LSU. So you talk about being very quick to turn things around and go win a Super Bowl. That's uh, uh, pretty uh, pretty quick there, which is nice. So
2: yeah, and and that is that's a great point, Aaron. Is that when you play in big games like that, national championship games? That is a lot of pressure and. When you've been through the process before, you kind of handle it better. You know, he's he's been on that big stage already. So the winning a national championship is a lot of pressure. You're younger, too. You've got to win. In order for you to get, a, get recognized as a champion, it's, it's the college Super Bowl. It really is at the collegiate level. And some might even say it's even more pressure because you're young. At least when you get older and you're in the NFL – Let's say you've been in the league for a few years, you can ask a Tom Brady if you're cool with him. Hey, man, what should I expect? You can ask a guy, you know, like an Eric Dirkerson, all these vets, hey, how is this week going to be these next two weeks? You see what I'm saying? When you're yeah. kind of like a collegiate, it's, it's not as, as accessible, I feel. A little bit more difficult.
0: Yeah, but the, the whole, yeah. whole thing I think that you're underscoring there is, you know, he's been through the pressure cooker before, and he did, uh, did a terrific job, and I think he's going to do a terrific job here again uh, two nights from right now. So, uh, we'll see. Stay tuned. Uh, obviously, uh, we'll be talking about this uh, uh, for a while, and certainly the next show we have will be uh, filled with, uh, you know, Super Bowl, looking back at how the game went um, here on Sunday. So want to look at some other stuff that uh, has uh, come about here. Obviously, this is a huge weekend uh, for one other reason, one that maybe wasn't on the calendar for as long, but uh, one that is certainly very important. And we kind of talked about this with Lou a few minutes ago. Um, big stuff coming out of Major League Baseball. There is a pretty large meeting and a proposal from Major League Baseball ownership that is supposed to occur tomorrow. And, if all signs are pointing in the right direction from everything that I've been hearing from the different sources that I look at, it sounds like things are going to go pretty well. Um, you know, no guarantees, no promises, but I'm, I'm believing by Monday at the very latest, we're going to find out that they have agreed to a new collective bargaining agreement, which will save the season. And I, I'm not quite as uh, doom and gloom as, as Lou is. I don't think we were ever going to get to the point where we're going to lose the season. I think chipping into, you know, spring training, and maybe the first couple weeks of the regular season would have been a possibility, but I'm firmly confident that here in about two weeks we'll see pitchers and catchers reporting, and there might be a slight delay in the start of spring training, but it may not even come to that. We may see things go on as as normal. So um, as soon as it is uh, is officially announced, though, so here is what we've got to wait. Here's what we got to listen out for, watch out for. It's gonna be like a dam breaking with all these players that are gonna get moved. We haven't had any player movement in over two months, so free agents that are still out there, trades that have to be worked out. Um, it's gonna be a lot of that stuff going on. So I'm looking forward to to seeing everything happen. And it's gonna happen pretty rapidly. So,
2: yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm very hopeful that they are gonna get a deal done. They did, you know, go ahead and accept and one of the things they agreed upon was the universal DH. Before we get too much into the, the locker, I definitely wanted to get your opinion on that change right there. The universal DH is something they agreed on. What are your thoughts, Aaron, on that?
0: Well, as you know, and as uh, some of the listeners know, I'm a uh, baseball purist when it comes to just the, the original rules and keeping things um, somewhat traditional. Um, I've seen this coming for a long time. And I understand as salaries have rapidly increased over the years. Um, you think about a pitcher that you're paying thirty million dollars a year to, and I don't know what the stats are on this, but you know how often does a guy potentially get hurt? If they're trying to hit a baseball as a pitcher, um, so it makes sense from that perspective. Now, I'm someone who believes that if we're going to to make a rule change in one area, that there needs to be a modification so that the game is still somewhat, uh, from a manager perspective anyways, uh, somewhat of a game that has to be managed. Um, The biggest thing about the argument I've always had for why pitchers should hit is if you take away the, the pitcher hitting, it takes some of the strategy out of the game. And you'd hear most anybody who watches baseball would say the same thing. So the things that I've heard, and I don't know if there's a modification that they're going to tell us about have been, you know, if you take your starting pitcher out of the game, for instance, you lose your DH. I think things like that would be beneficial because then the manager, again, gains the strength of knowing that if I yank my pitcher in the fourth inning, i got to take my DH out of the game as well. So there's some strategy involved. I would hope something like that happens. I hope it's not just a straight, hey, we're going to have a DH and that's it. I think keeping a strategy alive would be a nice thing. And I also think it would be nice if they would, Add one to two players to the 25-man roster, so instead of a 25-man, it'd either be a 26 or 27-man roster, just to give some extra guys the opportunity. And of course, think about it this way: if every game of the season you lose your DH after the, the starting pitcher gets yanked, well, you've got to have some extra bats on that bench to be able to fill in as a DH. So I think those are things that are hopefully coming. Um, there was some rule or some rule ideas rather tossed around about this a couple years back. Hopefully they kept that on the on the um, on their plate, and hopefully that's something that's approved. Because I like strategy; I think that's one of the big things about the game. I don't want it to be just let's just go up there and try to hit the ball. I want to see them have some things to think about before they decide to make a change.
2: Yeah, I, I was a little surprised that they, you know, you are right. We did see it coming, but I guess I still was a little surprised that they did accept this rule, just because it is a big, big rule change. I mean, that Manfred has been there. It's been a, a lot of traditional rules have been changed. Some I kind of agree with, but most of them is kind of high to say the least, but um, the universal DH, I think is going to add more time to the game. They, they wanted to speed up the game. I think this adds more time because it's going to be more scoring now,
0: more hits, so, well, it depends on how you look at it because the, the to counter that you know it used to be up until just two three years ago where you could bring in a relief pitcher and in the same inning you could bring in a relief pitcher after you faced just one hitter. Then they came out with the they must face three batters uh, rule, um, unless there's an injury, of course they're not going to keep him out there for that. So so that changes things. You don't have as many pitching changes occurring any longer, um, and that that part of the strategy is there too. So you could technically only face one batter and walk two in a row. I don't know why you would do that, but um, so those are things you have to think about before you make a pitching change. And it, I think it allows the offense a little bit more power because if you stack your lineup just right, where you have lefty, righty, lefty, righty, you're not going to be able to bring in a right-handed pitcher to face a right-handed hitter and then immediately pull him out of the game for the lefty that's up on deck. So um, those are just interesting things I think. Uh, strategy is probably the biggest thing for me. I, I like the game to have strategy. I don't want it to be automatic. Um, you know, there's a reason why you have a manager out there and that's to put together a lineup and to, to figure out, Hey, am I going to, am I going to, you know, fa- you know, am I going to have this guy face this, this batter? And I think that they've kind of shortened that up a little bit. So some of the strategies have been taken out, but if they make a couple of subtle changes, they can bring some of that back and make it very interesting on that end of things again.
2: Yeah, I do agree with you. You want to have a strategy and baseball is a game, you know, strategy, you know, making those moves to bring the right pitchers in. We, we have seen in history, making the wrong move can cost you games and world series and you name it. So I love the strategic moves that in baseball, and I love the fact that it's positive tonight. It's very encouraged that you said that you believe that baseball is going to start on time. I believe that they got a couple of issues worked out, so that's always a good thing. I'm hoping that they start the season on time, and I'm, I'm optimistic it's going to work out well too.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very optimistic there. And I just want to throw this out there too. Uh, I'm expected to be in uh, – in Northport next, uh, next weekend for, uh, they are having the, uh, the world series, uh, trophy parade. I think is what they're referring to it as, uh, down at the Braves facility. So I'll be down there. Um, our good buddy that we interviewed a year ago tomorrow, Chip Carey is supposed to be there. So hopefully I can, uh, stop by and say hello to him and get a couple of pictures. And I'll definitely be posting that on our Facebook page. And I know you're going to be doing something like that too, Alan, you're going to be in, uh, In the racing capital of the world at this point, uh, that'll be um, Daytona. Tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing there next weekend.
2: Yeah, we've gotten a blessed opportunity at the Internet Air Sports and Critics show to have gotten the invite to represent our show at the Daytona 500. We will have media passes there. You know, this is not just for media enjoy. It's for our listening audience, for Aaron and everybody connected to the show to enjoy but I'm going to the Daytona twenty five hundred. I can't believe I'm saying that. You know, uh, last year I put in a request and didn't even get a, a response. And a year later, although it, it might have been like last minute, still they approved us. And I could have actually went for more than just uh, the weekend. I was actually, we were approved to go for almost a week, but being at such short notice and due to conflicts for me to get over there I will be there Saturday and Sunday at the Daytona 500 at Radio Row. I'll be coming there for the first time. I've never done a Daytona 500 event, so it is something new to me, but I'm excited. I will bring definitely camera and and try to get as many interviews as I can. I'll bring my laptop and all the equipment, and I definitely will try to get pictures and let you guys get some inside information on it. And I'll share that with the pictures on our Facebook page, and also I'll talk about it on the show well, not next friday it'll well it'll be the Friday after, but I will definitely let you know how to experience when and I'm excited about it And you've been to a Daytona five hundred What should I you know expect to see or how much fun level am I expecting to have?
0: Well, you're gonna see uh approximately a quarter of a million people might might be a little bit more than that might be closer to three hundred thousand. Um, if you oh, count wow. all the people outside of the track, it'll definitely be closer to 300,000 people. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of noise. First and all, first of all, um, not just from the cars, but all the music that gets played beforehand. Um, a lot of celebrities are there. I know you and I talked about some of the people that are expected to be there. Michael Jordan, of course, owns a team. Um, you'll see other big public figures, uh, yeah, Pitbull will be there. I know when I went two years ago, uh, the president was there. That was pretty neat to see Air Force One come flying in and the and limousine, uh, you know, go around the track. I mean, it's just a neat event to see that. And it's the American race, so to, to see Air Force One and the American race in the same place was just a really neat experience. Um, Darius Rucker did a concert before, uh, before, the, uh, before the race, and he's somebody that I've always wanted to see in concert, so – I got to see them for free and see a race at the same time. So that was pretty cool. Um, you'll probably hear the names of many, many other famous individuals uh, while you're there or see them on the big uh, jumbotron. Uh, it's just, it's a big, a big event. Um, it really, it's basically the Super Bowl of, of motorsports in a sense. Um, as many famous people as you're going to have probably more in LA because it's in LA. Um, but there's a lot of people who are going to show up in Daytona here next Sunday and, and, um, you know, I know just off the top of my head, I know Chipper Jones usually is there. Um, there's a few other um, few other big stars. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I think Tim people might even be there. So you may run into some people that are not NASCAR-related here um, that are, are big names in sports. So hopefully you can get a couple of snapshots, maybe a, maybe an interview in there somewhere.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you said that. I wasn't even thinking that. You know, I was thinking about – Michael Jordan, Pitbull, those, you know, <laughs> Bubba Wallace, <laughs> you know, Kyle Busch, <laughs> but I'm, I'm hoping to meet all of those guys, and then Chipper Jones, and I, now you raise my eyes, my eye awareness to make sure you keep an eye out, because like you said, you might see somebody who's not in NASCAR, per se, and just a fan of, of NASCAR itself, could be Chip Jones, and could be a race fan, and so keep your eyes open and your ears open and put your head on the swivel and <laughs> you know uh, don't look down keep your head, keep looking but yeah I'm excited to meet all of those guys I'm excited about the event uh, I'm gonna bring those earplugs like you said and man I mean that'd be great you know uh, let's do it Michael Jordan Pitbull come on by that little there Sports Talk Radio Show Radio Row. I will definitely bring lots and, of water. <laughs> yeah, I'll bring lots of water. And one of the media outlets that I have met from going to events, they actually are at the Super Bowl doing Radio Row. And I saw them. They had met Evan Smith and, you know, quite a few of the vets. So you just never know. We're going to have that same experience here in Daytona 500.
0: Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun, I, I think, for sure. Um, no matter what background you come from, I, I'll tell you this story. I took my dad over the summer to uh, the – it used to be the Pepsi 400. They renamed it to the it's like Coke Zero Sugar 400 now. It used to be over Fourth of July weekend, and now it's at the end of August to offset some of the weather uh, issues that go on, especially as hot as it is here in Florida, and um, – I took my dad, he'd never been to a NASCAR race before, back in August, so it's been about six months ago now, and um, I think he, he had probably pretty low expectations, I would say, coming in, uh, at least from the reaction that I got, and after having him there, it was just a neat thing, something he wasn't necessarily into beforehand, but after seeing it, you have a greater respect for it. So you can watch the race on TV, it's a lot of fun, but it's definitely not as fun as uh, as watching it in person, especially when, you know, the the... the big group of cars comes around the track and you can you know feel the 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 reverberation of vibrations in the in the stands as they go by so it's something you you really you literally are feeling as it's going on it's a really neat experience that is almost indescribable and um you know that and being able to potentially meet some famous people while you're there just kind of there's really not anything honestly not anything better than it's one of the best events i've ever been to
2: awesome so i'm looking forward to it i Definitely want to appreciate the Daytona 500 Motorsports and for giving us this opportunity and blessing us. And, you know, we're going to do a great job representing ourselves great at the Allen Aaron Sports Recreation Show, Bring a lot of awareness and media attention to it as much as we possibly can, positive attention. And we are already planning, you know, to have a great relationship that me and Aaron will be there next year where we can possibly spend that whole week there, you know, because they did, they did allow me to actually beat it from Tuesday all the way through Sunday. And I just had to tell them, like, I can only make the, the two days short notice, short notice. And, and you're absolutely right, Darren, to your point, just about every single hotel was sold out. It was, it was crazy. Uh, you, you would think that this is LA this is why everything was sold out. <laughs>
0: well, you know, the funny thing is, and I, I've been traveling through Daytona for long time i I used to spend a quite a good deal of time up there for a company i worked for years and years ago i'd spend about a week every month up in daytona and other than there's three big events to go on in daytona maybe four throughout the year so you have the daytona 500 and and speed weeks which is getting ready to start here this weekend um then you have uh, of course the uh the other race event you have bike Week, of course you have uh you know um spring break I, that's always going to be there too. and then you have the other race that goes on in late August out of those uh, outside of those four things during the year, Daytona is a pretty quiet town, believe it or not um, <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty um it's still well traveled obviously people go there for for uh you know race track tours and that sort of stuff, but for the most part, you can't drive down International Speedway Boulevard uh, during the the race weeks without stopping at almost every stoplight. If you go there about a week after the races have gone on, it's uh, it's pretty pretty quiet and you can get down that road pretty quickly. Um, but it'll be a lot different here coming up. Um, you know, probably a, close to a million people will be in in and in around the area, maybe even more, that are there for the different uh, events and all the different vendors and uh, those sorts of things that go on. So a lot of walking, a lot of water you'll probably be drinking, um, but a lot of fun you'll be having at the same time. So.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to a great time. And Pitbull and Michael Jordan, if you're listening, come on by. <laughs> I know you got know, <laughs> Yo, Come on by. And also the drivers, you know, Bubba Wallace, I'm excited about meeting him, Kyle Bush. And i um, also excited to meet Daniel Suarez. That's uh, Pitbull's guy, his, his, his driver. You know, and for those who don't know the listening audience, why I say Pitbull is because Pitbull as well as Michael Jordan are part-time owners, part owners of one of the cars here. So they usually come on through. I know Michael Jordan was here last year and uh, the same for Pitbull. We shall see. And I did want to say something about Daytona Beach is to Daytona Beach Because when I was about maybe 16, 17 years old, I actually was one of the people from New York who traveled to spring break in Daytona Beach. (laughs) I, I think a day or two into the trip, you know, it was cold in New York, bad weather, got a chance to come down to Daytona Beach. It was just perfect weather, like 80 degrees, hot but not killer hot. And I had an epiphany at that point I said, man, this is such a great place to live. I could see myself living here in the future. And I even said to myself, I am going to live here in the future, here being Florida. And I was only 16, 17 years old. It was like God was telling me you're going to be living in this state at one point in your life. (laughs) And sure enough, lo and behold, it came to fruition. And it was like God was speaking to me, said, you're going to be living here. And this is during the time of spring break where you normally wouldn't have a serious thought like that. You'd just be thinking about having fun. And and I was doing all those things, but at this point, it just – God was speaking to my ears and said, hey, I need your attention because you're going to be living here. And sure enough, he was right. It was like a mature moment in an immature time, I guess. That's a really <laughs> like good story there.
0: Shit.
2: Yeah, lo and behold and you know time i'm living here in florida for, for a long time and i'm going to first time to the daytona 500 that's 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 uh going full circle right there
0: <laughs> absolutely well, you have a, you, I really am. You, you'll have a blast but so you, you have no idea what you're in for it's going to be a terrific uh terrific time so anything else uh here tonight
2: yeah i did want to which I apologize for not bringing this up sooner. I did want to give my condolences to the Giambi family for Jeremy Giambi, who is a brother of Jason Giambi for passing away. It's a, you know, sad day that he, he did pass away. I did post this on the page. This is on February 9th. And, um, wow, he passed away at the age of 47. So he's one year older than me. And it just, it's just a... Uh, gone too soon. The details haven't emerged yet as to the reason or the cause yet, but I know as time goes on, we'll we'll find out. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on Jeremy Giambi and then we'll say a, a moment of silence.
0: Yeah, I know. I remember um, obviously probably the biggest play that anybody can remember in his career. Actually, he was on the wrong side of. He was the player that got thrown out at home plate on, uh, I believe it was in the 2001, uh, ALDS, uh, the great play that Derek Jeter made on the errant throw from the outfield. And Jeremy Giambi was the player who was coming around from first base. And I believe Jeter flipped the ball to Posada and they tagged him about a half a step before Giambi would have been, uh, safe. Um, excellent player. He was more of a role player, more of a, a kind of a backup bench player type of guy. Obviously he took second, uh, second fiddle, if you will, to his older brother, Jason, who was uh, just a tremendous slugger himself. But he had to play in the big leagues for six years for three or four different teams. Um, he, he, again, had a, a role that he played coming off the bench, maybe playing a little bit of first base late in the ball game. Um, so definitely our condolences to the Giambi family. And also I wanted to mention this too, and I meant to mention this earlier as well. Um, Gerald Williams, who spent about a dozen years uh, with about five or six different organizations, including Atlanta and including the Yankees uh, as well. He passed away earlier this week at age 55 from a battle with cancer. So to both the Williams and the Giambi family from the Aaron and Allen Sports Talk podcast, we want to send our condolences to both families.
2: Yeah, definitely. So the condolences to both families. and, And I just wanted to say, you know, a moment of silence for Jeremy Giambi as well as Jared Williams. I both rest in peace when we give a moment of silence for both men. Yeah, so definitely uh, rest in peace to both men, both great guys, great baseball players. And, and I did want to mention to the listening audience that we'll be doing an interview this coming week with Mr. Stan Hickson, he is a wide receiver coach, even even was a collegiate wide receiver coach. And he's going to come on our show. He's very interested in coming on and discussing, letting us know a little bit more about him. But we're going to be discussing, just so you have an idea of the topic, coming up this week. It will be a Zoom interview that I'll be doing with him during the week. We're going to be discussing, you know, the coaching and diversity in the NFL. He's going to give his thoughts on it, and he's going to give his insight as a wide receiver coach, things that he's maybe experienced. And definitely I'm very enthusiastic and interested in what Dan Hickson has to say. And we're going to make sure that we give you that interview this week, along with some other great content. So keep looking at our Facebook page and follow us on iHeartRadio because you never know what we're going to throw at you guys and include you in so you get a chance to see a part of it too.
0: All right, well, great show here again tonight. I want to thank our, um, thank our guest, uh, Lou, of course, uh, for contributing here this evening and uh, for taking the time out of his, um, out of his schedule to, uh, to appear on our show once again. And, of course, uh, you'll be able to listen to his show tomorrow night, I believe it's from 5.30 to 7 or 7.30 Eastern time, as he gave out those details earlier on in the show. So for Alan and for Lou, this is Aaron signing off here on the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk podcast. Have a great night, everybody.
1: Thank you for listening to the Evan and Aaron Sports Talk podcast. Subscribe and check us on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.